This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off hour number two of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We're going to keep our heads on a swivel this hour. I'm telling you, you never know what might happen. And so my guy, Damon Cotton, who's dressed to the nines today, is going to have to get his roll up his sleeves and get a little dirty this hour because it's going to be fast and furious. And right now we're going to start things off with my guy, Joe Arrigo from Franchise Sports Media. And Joe, we appreciate you as always, my man. Thanks so much for uh, giving me a little bit of your time today. Uh, I saw the tweet that came out about Randy Bobo Masters, a hell of an athlete coming out the state of Texas. Uh, He's got the verbal commit to UNLV and I immediately picked up the phone and called you and said, wait a minute, Joe, what is going on? I know you got your finger on the pulse of of the program. That's a big get for Coach Arroyo. So uh, let me know, man. Break this down. How did all this come to be? Man, first, welcome to Vegas. I can say it to you on air, even though we talk personally. <laughs> My guy, I love you, bro. So, um, nah, you know, to be honest, Q, this is something that Coach Arroyo and his staff has been working on for, for quite some time. I mean, not just with Bobo, but we'll, we'll to start there. You know, he's a guy that had, or, I mean, really, he was a Baylor committed, as you know, and decommitted yep. because Oregon offered him. You get offered by have offers from Oregon, LSU, Auburn. When you have big boy schools, you kind of think, "Ah, you know, he's out the mix." But the way Coach Arroyo recruits, he uses a, uh, a tag or a, you know a term called "no flinch." He, he's going after the guys that he feels star wise, four or five star guys. He doesn't care if they fit the program of what he wants and what he wants to build with athletic, long, freakishly gifted guys. He wants to go after them, and Bobo fits the mold: six one, one seventy. And you know as well as I do, anytime the ball's in his hands, he's a threat to take it to the house. So to have Bobo come in and to commit, it's kind of a big get. I had people hitting me like, hey, like, do we get Bobo? And I, I was in the middle of doing something else, and I had to stop what I was doing and went and looked at some messages. And I was like, oh, we, I guess you and I, we got Bobo. <laughs> and and, and I, I can say this, uh, in talking with him, uh, talking with, 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 with Bobo, he's excited. He loves he, he loves what what's going on here. Record aside, he's he likes the infrastructure and what's being built. Um, he 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 told me. Some other players told me as well that everything from the inside the building is exactly what you see big time winning programs. The from the mentality standpoint and the attitude, the effort, just the culture that's being built. He fell in love with it, and plus, you know, he was like, who who doesn't want to play in a two billion dollar stadium? <laughs> I mean, he. he right. Yeah, something that that was a major selling point to him. You know, and and uh, you know, kind of going with that little structure and the guys that they're being able to bring in and, and the way that Coach Royal is going about this. There was also a tweet about JUCO defensive lineman Darius Johnson. Uh, he was the guy who had multiple offers: Houston, Liberty, uh, a couple other places. But he's a big three hundred pounder, Joe. And so, from outsiders, from my point of view, I'm not a guy who covers UNLV like you do. It looks like Arroyo is really trying to lay the groundwork with some big time athletes, also some JUCO guys, to try to get his squad out there and I know that they want to win at the same time but it sounds like he's trying to build this thing up from the ground up it's a little bit of both it's, it's not just winning if he wants to win now don't get don't get it confused right. that's something that that he wants to do but he wants big fast explosive guys and and that fits the mold for uh, both with, with Johnson and, and with, with Bobo with the explosive part in particular Johnson's a 300 pound all-american wrestler 
that has had no weight room experience as far as like really working it with a structured weight room environment. This guy is is, is a, a big guy. He's got two years plus a COVID year, so you have him for three years. And to me, it looks like UNLV wants to really, when it comes to their offensive defensive lines, they want bullies. They don't want passive guys. They don't want guys that are just there and stand up and take space. They want guys to put it on the opposing team's linemen to free up the, the rest of their defense or even you know, open up holes for the, for the running backs or give the quarterbacks time to throw. I'm looking for more of this. I mean, I, I really think Bobo in, is just the tip of the iceberg when mm-hmm. it comes to what's going to happen in this recruiting class. I think down the road there could be a couple really eyebrow-raising guys that commit because the way they're going about it down at the Fertitta Football Complex off Maryland Parkway, it's, it's, it's one of those – you, you kind of see it special because if you, you look at even the, going to the game side of it, this is what the recruits see. They're, they're two or three plays away. I mean, really, at this point, they're about 15 plays away from being 4-2 and two versus being 0-6. Oh so right. they're in a really good – I mean, they're in a spot where it's just that they can just get – do something to turn the corner. Turn, you know, whatever is a play here or a play there. A guy like Bobo, you know, on a kick return or on third down and, and six, taking it 20, 30 yards or even taking it to the house, changes the whole complexion of the game. A yeah. guy like Johnson beating up an offensive lineman, playing strong against the run, is, is the type of guy that, again, third down stop. They go from maybe, you know, like you talk about the Raiders, turning that second and one, second and two into second and eight, second and nine, or even third and eight and third and nine puts them in a position where you can peel your ears back and go get the quarterback, and that's exactly what UNLV is trying to accomplish. Right, no doubt about it. We're talking right now with Joe Arrigo, Franchise Sports Media. You can find him on Twitter at Joe Arrigo FSM. And, uh, Joe, you know, like you mentioned, it's 0-6 right now for Coach Arroyo. Um, 0-6 last year, so it's 12 total games. Of course he wants to win. Players want to win. Chuck Wagon wants to win. I get it. They all do. They have the, they have the cool slot machine now on the sideline. That's awesome. But how are they staying positive in the locker room? How are they relaying the message of going out there and just chopping wood, chopping wood, chopping wood, keep on working when they haven't quite seen the results? They've been close, but they haven't seen the results yet. That's a great question. And I think they look at this year as year one, not the COVID season. They equate the COVID season of having a child that was in second grade, and he gets, they get promoted to third grade, but they're still reading and doing all their schoolwork at a second grade level. I mean, yeah, you're there, but are you really there yet? What they did is they learned a lot about themselves. And I think that's the same thing with this team. They've learned a lot about themselves from that COVID year until now. And they have guys in positions now that are out there, out there and they're competing. Like in the past, being on that sideline, watching the team, and I know other people may be on the sideline have seen the same thing. If UNLV gets down by any point, there'd be pointing fingers, there'd, there'd be guys that just give up. And there'd be guys that are just, you know, talking a lot of trash to each other. Right. This year, it's not like that. On the sidelines, guys are talking about what they see. Guys are pumping each other up. Guys are, t- okay, you know, you lined it a little bit off right here. You guys slide over a little bit. Or, hey, what did you see here? This is what I've seen. There's a lot. It, it, the culture is changing. So that, that's the reason why guys aren't falling off the wagon. I don't think he's losing the locker room at all. In fact, I think it's galvanizing the team. When you hear Chuck Williams at the end of the game last week when he was in, during, during, during his presser, he said, you know, if I just would have get 5% more, just, I, we would have won the game. It would have helped Jacoby in the defense. And he's talking about a play towards the end of the game on the second-to-last drive. He literally was tripped up by the linebacker. And if he gets by him, he's probably still running. 
and he's almost closer to breaking the record, which is only 163 yards from breaking the all-time rushing record. So he, he could very well do that on Thursday night. Yeah, and probably be, you know, he, he, I mean, but Chuck was talking about that. When you have your leaders talking about that, Q, mm-hmm. that that brings the rest of your team together. Right. No, you're right, because they are the leaders, like you mentioned, so that does help keep them together. And you mentioned Thursday night. I wanted to get to that as well. San Jose State's coming to town. Uh, what are your expectations in this game? I mean, the, 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 the Rebels have had a tough schedule, but they've fought. They've fought a, a really hard with all these teams, and even teams that look like uh, they were going to get blown out by, even Fresno State. And, you know, all of a sudden they're right there, and they have those guys on the ropes. So what are your expectations for San Jose State, who I don't think is as good as a lot of folks thought they were? I agree with you. Um, I think the Mountain West is wide open. Let me start by saying that. I mean, you have White beating Fresno State, Boise losing to Air Force. I mean, but then Boise goes and beats a good team. Fresno beats a good team. So there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of if ands or buts and maybe's about this conference to me. What I expect tomorrow night is a UNLV team to come out, play strong physical football, play fast football. And, it, and keep in mind, they're dealing with a ton of injuries, especially in the quarterback room. I mean, Doug Brumfeld, I'll say it right here, Doug Brumfeld's not going to play tomorrow night. He's dealing with a back injury, and when it comes to the back, as you know, that's the rest of your body. That mm-hmm. affects everything. There's no way that they're going to risk Doug's future, not just on the field but off of it, to put him in the game. So it's either going to be Cam, Justin, or Tate Martell. I think we're going to see all three of them in some capacity. If Cam, if Cam plays, I think if he goes down, I think Justin will be the number two. And I think we're going to see Tate Martell in different capacities and different roles. Um, and maybe in, in, in some gadget plays. I don't know. That's just me speculating. But I know that he's healthy. And for the first time this year, Coach in a press conference talked about him at length on Monday. So if I'm reading tea leaves, which I'm trying to do right here, I think there may be some, some role for, for Martell in this game. Um, and, there's, and there's an underlining thing, too. Starkle and Martell, go, there's a history with them, too, a rivalry going back to high school. And now they're good friends. Uh, and if Starkle plays against you know for San Jose State and if Tate gets in the game, that could be a, that could be a cool matchup to watch. You know, quarterback versus quarterback. But I also I'm also looking at the defense. Honestly, the Rebels' defense has really been playing really good ball. I mean, last week they, they really did a number on Utah State. They're more I thought they were more physical than up until that last drive, which was obviously the game-winning touchdown for for the Aggies. You know, he's flying to the ball. The defense is moving around really well. And I think the young guys are starting to grow. Deshaun Bell, um, he, he's having he's having uh, he's having a really he had a really good last three weeks. Um, same thing with Brennan Scott, you know, Cam Oliver, you know, they got um my my guy from he's from the Texas area, the safety I forget, uh, Jonathan Baldwin is another one that got in and played a lot last week, allowing Phil Hill to do what he does best. Jacoby Winman had a hell of a game and Austin Ajuke. AJ had 18 tackles with, with Jacoby having 16, and AJ was really allowed to, you know, really move about, move around, and he brings more athleticism to the inside linebacker position. So, if they could continue that trend on defense against a team that's whose offense isn't really that good, this year the Spartans' calling card is defense. So you know, he's gonna have to do what they what they've done in the past, even before Arroyo, which was control the line of scrimmage and really run the ball down their throat and set their quarterbacks up for success. Right. I would love to see Chuck break the, the school record this week. I mean, I think that would be a great achievement for him with everything he's been through since his, with his time here starting, you know, five years ago, five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. It, would, it couldn't happen to a greater person. I mean, the kid is, a, is an amazing young man. Um, and I know how much it means to him. 
So we'll see. I mean, but I, I you know, I want to let me say, I think the Rebels win tomorrow night. I think Coach Rail gets his first win. I think, and I think, I think it. it I, I and I actually think it'll be in convincing fashion. They, they've come too close in. They played too many close games that that it, they lose another close game. At some point, you know that that slot machine has to roll up all sevens across the board, and they, and they got to get payday. And I think this, I think this is the week. Well, there you go, there you go, right there. And Joe, I only got one more question for you. But you started talking about Tate Martell. You started talking about them getting wins, and you started speaking the language of my man Demond Cotton in here. So he wants to ask you a question. Go ahead, Demond. Yeah, cause because Tate, he only came in, I think, for one snap the past game. It's not injury. We see that he's healthy. Could it be that maybe Marcus Arroyo j- just doesn't think that he's good enough to be the starting quarterback? I don't think that at all. In fact, I think in the, over the last few weeks, I would I would dare to say that Coach Arroyo and, is, and Tate have really gotten a lot closer. And, and from the time that they met, from everything that I know about uh, Tate coming in and in the process that was, um, they hit it off, and there was they're they're wired the same way. They're both super competitive. They both want to win, and I think I think what it would it come down what it comes down to is you have a player who runs a different style of offense. They're in a spread, but it's more of a of a almost under center pistol type offense when you know the, the Martell is more of a spread quarterback. So how can you acclimate him to your offense? How can you get him in your offense? And how can he fit in, in a, his, on his end? How can Tate fit in there even more? Um, and, and what does he have to do to get better? And, and keep in mind, he's coming off a, a platter and fascia injury that really he's a week and a half out of a boot, two weeks out of a boot. And up until maybe this week, he had a, a torn ligament in his throwing thumb that he, well, that's the reason why he wasn't on the field early on in the year, wasn't getting a lot of snaps early in camp. So he had that surgically repaired. So it's just now at 100%. So he's finally at damn near 100% health, and because of that, now you can start to to, to see what you have in him. And 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 Cam Friel, like the way the way I I like to equate it now, Damon is Cam Friel can manage the game for you, you know, in some in, in most capacity. And we don't know what Tate can do. You know, can Tate win a game for you? And if it was high school, you would bet everything you had that Tate Martell's going to win a game for you. But you don't know that at this level. We've seen what he did at Ohio State where he set a record there for complete percentage in the game. Um, Miami, you misutilized him in a lot of ways, but he's here now. And I think he – I know for a fact he's chomping at the bit to get on the field and he's just waiting for the opportunity. And I think Coach Royal is, is in a position now where he's like, okay, I think it's time to unleash him. It's just a matter of in what role and what capacity. So I, I don't think I have anything to do with uh, Coach believing in him or not. I know Coach believes in him because – if you're at practices and you see what Tate, how he is at practice and how he interacts with his teammates, and I've seen you at games, watch him on the sideline, how he's interacting with his teammates, things that he's doing. He's doing all the little things that is necessary for you to breed a winning program and a winning culture, and that's exactly what Coach Royal wants. And Tate has done nothing but exceed expectations from Coach Royal since he's been uh, enrolled at UNLV. There you go right there. You feel a little bit better, Demond? Feel a little better? I mean, we'll we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that wasn't very. That wasn't like you were singing. Uh, you were singing confidence in that comment. But okay, that'll work. And Joe, before I let you go, and I definitely appreciate your losses. time, man. This is great. Hey, man, it's, it is what it is. Uh, I, I've always been in the belief that name, image, and likeness. Now that it's underway, and I love it. I, I've been a firm believer in it forever. I'm so happy that it's going on. I feel like UNLV. I feel like Las Vegas. I feel like it's. This is an area, and that's a school that could totally benefit from name, image, and likeness when it comes to recruiting. Not just in football, basketball, and everything. 
thing. What are your thoughts on name, image, and likeness and how that can help Coach Arroyo and this program recruit better? I'm, I don't think there's a bigger fan of it than me. I mean, especially when it comes to UNLV. There's no other school in the country in a major market that can offer the backdrop and the opportunity that Las Vegas can to any, any high school recruit or any guy wanting to transfer in. Period. Yep. There's, you go to L.A., USC's in South Central, UCLA's in Westwood. It's not in downtown L.A. Miami is, is, a, is, is in Coral Gables, which is not in Miami. You know, Louisiana, you know, LSU is a little bit different, but there's nothing in New York and in Chicago. You know, Northwestern's still not even in Chicago. It's right. out in the outskirts. So I think if, if you, when you have high-profile players, I think UNLV would be really wise to utilize them. If you have someone, let's use the guy we just talked about, Tate Martell. There's no more popular player or polarizing player in college football than Tate Martell. Like it, like them, love them, whatever. You can utilize him to your advantage. Why not? Why not do that when you have a basketball program that doesn't? You know, you have Bright Hamilton, and then guys that, not, that the city's not familiar with. It's a way to get familiar with them. Kevin Kruger is doing a great job in ingratiating and bringing in the a lot of the older players. But look at some of these younger guys. Let's go ahead and and get and get them ready to go. So and get them the love that they that they want to get from the city. So I think UNLV could be a potential powerhouse if they do it the right way. And this comes down to the city and the power brokers in the city. And that includes people at properties. If, if you have a property and you, let's say you have a big name property backing you as an athlete or even the school, and, it, and they go to the school and say, hey, how can we help you with this? Well, we need to get this NIL. And this. You put a kid on there, that's going to make kids want to come, period. Because like, right. no there's no other school in America that can say, oh, by the way, <laughs> yeah, you see uh, on the cover resorts world, on the, on the side of when you're flying in, it's a picture of, of Q right there, <laughs> you know, and you know, like it's just right there. That would be idealistic because when you're flying in, you know as well as I do, flying in, you see it from a way off in the distance. Yep, and you see you see that image. Imagine you being a player and you're coming in on a recruiting trip and that's up there, right? Or you know, or you coming in and on game day and that's what's on there. I mean, that was one of the coolest things. And I, as a player, I'm like, I want, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, he does a great job with the uniforms, football wise. Their, their, their uniforms for football are fantastic. Players and recruits love them. Everyone I've talked to loves the uniforms. Um, they're doing a great job with the with the slot machine. That was a phenomenal credit Shelby McIntyre for coming up with the idea. That that is, I think that's going to be an institution at UNLV now. And they they're doing all the right things with NIL. Utilize the city. Utilize the backdrop of the strip, and make that happen for these players. Because at that point. That's going to make more players want to come because they're going to see the opportunity outside of football and the education that they'll get. Right. No doubt. I, I think it's a big benefit, and I think that the, the UNLV will be able to benefit from it in a major way. Uh, I'm excited to see the direction that, that they go. And, and, again, like you said, do it the right way, and good things could come to you. So, uh, Joe, great stuff, man. Great way to break down the UNLV program. Uh, definitely appreciate your time, man. FranchiseSportsMedia.com. Uh, you can find Joe on Twitter at Joe Arrigo FSM. And what, uh, what you got coming out? What does Franchise Sports Media have coming out that uh, Rebel fans should be on the lookout for? Well, we did an exclusive one-on-one interview with Coach Royal last week. This week, coming out towards the end of the week, we'll have a, another one-on-one with uh, interim athletic director Eric Harper. Uh, we have a one-on-one sit-down. Uh, one of our writers, Matthew Dobbs, sat down with Kyle Williams. That comes out tomorrow morning, the receiver. And uh, Jay Jones, former Las Vegas High School basketball legend, he's a star over there and went off to play at Ohio State and then played uh, coach at Northern Arizona, coached the ABA team out here. 
and he's come on board, and he's our UNLV basketball um, reporter for all. But this is a guy that has ties, and he's got interviews lined up with Freddie Banks, um, with a bunch of other guys in the in the, in the system that that's been UNLV, and he got he played and coached with with Tark son George. So this is a guy that when it goes to UNLV history, I could put him up against anybody in the city and and let him get let him go at it toe for toe. And he, he knows the ins and outs of recruiting, so. His very first article came out this morning. He broke down the coaching staff, and he's got another one coming out uh, towards the end of the week. We're breaking down the front court for the Running Rebel program. So we got a lot of UNLV stuff on deck. So just if you guys get a chance, check out Franchise Sports Media. And Q, you know, as always, brother, I love you. I appreciate you inviting me on anytime you need me. Just, you know, tap in with me, man, because this is uh, it's always good to hear your voice. It's like a Q&A reunion. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Good stuff, man. Joe, appreciate you as always, brother. We'll be talking soon. Sounds good, my man. All right, there he goes. Joe Rigo does a great job right there. Franchise Sports Media covering UNLV. And not look, they're not it's not only UNLV, they cover the Raiders. Uh everything going on here in the Las Vegas area. Uh Franchise Sports Media does a great job of uh do of, of covering. And uh he said Q and A. We used to do a podcast together called Q and A back in the day. Uh so that was a that was, I've, I think I've done a podcast just about everywhere. Wow. But uh that was a that was a fun podcast. Sometimes we'd go, it'd be like one and a half, two hours almost. It'd be like a whole damn radio show. Q and A, that's a good name too. Yeah, it was. It was Q and, and Joe Rigo. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, so that's a good dude right there, and I definitely appreciate his time. 3.23 is the time. I'll tell you this. Let me give you an update. Uh, we got the – you know what? Let me go through this real quick. We have a couple minutes. Do we have a couple minutes, or do I got to take a break right now? You let me know. Please take a break. All right, we'll take a break. I will give you an update. Denzel Perriman is not going to join the show. He's going to probably be on in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor right after 4 o'clock because everything got pushed back at the Raiders facility today. Just got the text message. So, um, Vinny, you're welcome. You got <laughs> The guests that I requested, you're going to get on the show, and that's cool too because it's all Raider Nation. Radio 920. We'll come on back, talk with our guy, Mike Gill from 97.3 ESPN in South Jersey. Get a preview of the Eagles. They're up next on the schedule. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's why Q, of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Well, coming up in a couple minutes, we'll be talking to Mike Gill from 97.3 ESPN in South Jersey, talking all things Eagles. Uh, I hate that we didn't get Rich Basaccia on the show. We should have had him uh, when he was doing his presser. We should have had him live since it was during our show, but we thought Denzel Perriman was going to call the show and Meetings have been pushed back. A lot of things have been pushed back. The time over at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center has been pushed back today. So it's kind of helter-skelter. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, So I apologize for that. Uh, Would love to have heard from Rich Passaccia. But uh, Vinny will have a lot for you, including Denzel Perriman, coming up after 4 o'clock. And so uh, we just heard from Joe Arrigo. And like I said, we'll be talking to Mike Gill in just a matter of minutes. I did want to go over the injury report. Uh, It's been sent over from the Raiders. Guys that did not participate today. And it's funny because today is Wednesday. And I just tweeted it out and said, this is the injury report for Thursday. So clearly I'm already uh, farther ahead than I need to be. So DeMond will have to, we'll have to uh, delete that tweet and resend it. My bad. Oh, I'm on it. <laughs> Tight end Nick Bowers. He's dealing with a neck injury. He did not participate. Uh, wide receiver Brian Edwards dealing with a hamstring injury. He was limited. That's something to monitor right there. That's a big deal. Definitely want to pay attention to that. Defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins dealing with a hip injury. He was limited. Defensive tackle Quentin Jefferson took a personal day. He did not participate, so that's nothing. Uh, it's like a rest day on Wednesday, nothing to be uh, too worked up about. 
Let's see. Nick Kwiatkowski, toe injury, limited. I'm okay with that one. Dallin Levitt, dealing with a quad injury, did not participate. Here's one that's pretty important. Colton Miller, left tackle, dealing with a pectoral injury. He was limited. That's definitely one to pay attention to. And then wide receiver, Henry Ruggs, dealing with a knee injury. He was limited as well. That is the injury report on Wednesday as far as uh, as far as the Raiders go. So I'll continue to update that. And if you're seeing my tweet and I put out Thursday, my bad. I apologize. It's kind of how we've been today. We kind of had our head on a swivel. Right now, I uh, got my guy, though, on the phone lines, Mike Gill from 97.3 ESPN in South Jersey. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Gill Show. Matter of fact, on the East Coast, 2 to 6 p.m. So he's already put in a full day work, and now he's going to join us. So I definitely appreciate your time, Mike. And What's the feeling like right now in Philly, man? Jalen Hurts uh, leading the charge there in his second year in the league, and two and four is the record. I think the team is better than their two and four record, but I mean, you're the guy with the pulse of the Eagles. What's what's the feeling around this team right now? Oh man, yeah, I'll tell you what. With uh, they're lucky that Ben Simmons has gone AWOL because <laughs> he has kind of taken the attention off of a you know this is a football town first. And the team is obviously, the expectations were not all that high. It was kind of, I don't know what to expect. New coach, uh, the new quarterback, so many changes. And quite frankly, they've been in some games, uh, but they really have no identity on offense. Defensively, you know, when they have played Tampa and when they have played Kansas City and when they have played Dallas, they have not been competitive. But against Atlanta, San Francisco, and Carolina, their defense has really won them those games. So they are very Jekyll and high and really to trying to figure out what their identity is. I think at this point, that's, that's the big thing is who they are offensively. They don't run the ball. They ran a ball three times in a game, three to running backs, uh, their quarterback, Jalen hurts, 85% of their offense of production has come from him. So, uh, he's quite frankly, not ready to put on that much on their, on their shoulders. So they're a team without an identity right now. And I was going to ask you about Jalen Hurts and him running the ball and the fact that he's got the 300 yards leading the team in, in, in rushing yards, which is not ideal, but we've seen other teams do it, like Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. But he's not Lamar Jackson. We know that. He's, he's cut from a different cloth. But what, I mean, what has been the biggest hang-up as far as other guys producing for Jalen Hurts so he doesn't have to do that heavy lifting? Well, it would help if the coach ran the ball. That's number one. Miles Sanders has, um, you know, been criminally underused. It's malpracticed the way that he has not been a part of the offense. When he is handed the ball, he produces. For those of you in your audience who watched them play on Thursday night, um, because that was the standalone national game, you know, against Tampa Bay, uh, they gave him the ball four times in the fourth quarter, and he got big yards. I mean, he's got speed. He's got breakaway ability. Um, they just do not use him. Now, the coach will say, well, it's an RPO, um, so we have the option to run. We're just not doing it. They don't call run plays. That's number one. Number two, Devonta Smith, the 10th pick, the Heisman Trophy winner. Some games he's a heavy part of the offense. Other games he's not. He doesn't have the strength to physically get off the line yet, so teams with good corners have kind of taken him out. Uh, the tight end situation, they just traded Zach Ertz. Yeah, to Arizona. So now Dallas Goddard, who's still on the COVID list, we right. don't even know if he's going to be able to play. Uh, but he's in a big time playmaker. Fourteen yards a carry, uh, a catch, and uh, obviously they haven't gotten the ball enough. So uh, they don't know who they want to be on offense. They do have weapons. The problem is, Q, their weapons are young. Their offensive line has been banged up. Lane Johnson should be back this week. 
my lotta was hurt so they had to take him out then when my lotta got back johnson went out so they had to move my lotta from left tackle to left to right tackle their two starting guards are both out brandon brooks got hurt in the first week mm. isaac say amala got hurt in the second week so um they have had injuries across the line again which i think has hurt their offensive game plan yeah no, no doubt about it you mentioned zach Ertz, and it had been mentioned for a while that he was probably going to get moved but he does get moved when dallas goddard's dealing with COVID, like you mentioned so i mean was was the timing of this bad i know that the trade deadline's coming up you know the very beginning of november but was the timing kind of bad for the eagles on this trade well, they were supposed to trade him in the offseason. People were surprised they didn't. They right. maintained they wanted to try to get something more for him. Um, you know, the value, they thought he was more. They didn't get it. And then they tried to play their cards and hold him a little longer. That didn't work. And they basically took what they could get. So, um, I, I, you know, everybody has wanted to see Goddard kind of step up and be the guy. They, most people think that because they've had the two people in the, the two tight ends in their offense that they just uh, – 31 targets for Ertz so far, 15 for Goddard. So it's like they're trying to serve two masters. With Ertz not being here anymore, you should see more from Ertz, uh, from Goddard. Right. No doubt about it. We're talking right now with Mike Gill from 97.3 ESPN South Jersey in Atlantic City at Mike Gill Show on Twitter here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And as far as the defense goes, uh, the run the run game, that's what I've been noticing, man. The run has been getting the Eagles. Uh, the Chiefs ran for two bills on them, and everyone else has been getting over 100 yards. Uh, is that an area of concern for, for Eagles and, and Eagle fans when they're facing a team like the Raiders that you know likes to run the ball? Huge concern. They can't stop the run a lick. Uh, their linebackers are small. They're not athletic. They really don't know who their linebackers, uh, who they want to have play linebacker yet. They've got uh, Eric Wilson they signed as a free agent. They've already kind of phasing him out. Davion Taylor was a third-round pick a couple of years ago. He is uh, just raw. I mean, he just yeah. doesn't have a lot of game experience. Uh, Alex Singleton was playing in the Canadian League, and he's their top tackler right now. Um, so their linebackers are a huge problem. If the Raiders want to run the ball, they could do it all day. The problem they have also is Waller is going to be unstoppable. They don't defend the pass a lick. Brady last week had a field day uh, on their, you know, on a linebacker. Teams just look at the two linebackers and go right after them. You can, they, they play their safety so far off the line, cover two, um, and their linebackers just are too small. So that's a huge problem. Now, one area where they're pretty good is the pass rush. And yeah. I know the Raiders' offensive line struggles. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see who wins that chess match between Jonathan Gannon because he doesn't blitz. They blitz the least amount in the entire league. So they do not blitz. They try to get pressure with their four. And they basically will say, hey, um, no big plays. No big plays over the top. That's their philosophy. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because you're right. The Raiders' offensive line has been a little shaky this year. Or now it's got better. Last week it got a little bit better against Denver. Actually, it got a lot better against Denver. So they were able to hold up, and Vaughn Miller only had one quarterback hit, so that wasn't bad. But I know the Eagles and that defensive line, they do get after the uh, the quarterback. So that should be uh, really interesting. Uh, you, you mentioned don't let let any big plays happen. The, is the safety play doing okay? or, or you know, Because right now Henry Ruggs, uh, who actually it's you mentioned Devontae Smith not being able to get off the line of scrimmage and you know struggling with press corners. It's kind of what uh, Henry Ruggs was going through his rookie year as well uh, as, a, as a smaller guy. He put on some weight, but he's been playing well as of late, man. He's been playing really well. Uh, how are the safeties as, as far as their, their coverage, and, and do you think that they'll minimize the big play for the Raiders? 
Well, so far they they minimized the big play because they played their safety so far off the line. I mean, Anthony Harris is a veteran who you know was was franchised in Minnesota, and then there was a lot of injuries in Minnesota, and they just let him kind of go. Because he didn't have the interceptions, but he's been average here. Nothing special. McLeod's just coming back from the injury. So those two guys are savvy veterans. Their corners, though, Slay uh, is one of the best in the league, and he's having a great year. Steven Nelson, who they got in free agency, you know, he's just a solid number two. But the problem is Gannon, he just doesn't blitz, and that shows me he doesn't trust his corners and his secondary. He just right. does not want the big play over his head. Um, so that's going to be an interesting kind of a chess match here because the one game – where they kind of excelled um, defensively was Carolina, who has a weak offensive line. They mm-hmm. got to Darnold, forced him to turn the ball over, and they had Slay follow DJ Moore around the field. So right. wherever Moore went, Slay followed him. They don't do that a whole heck of a lot. But um, in games where the offensive lines are weak, Atlanta has a weak offensive line, Philadelphia gobbled them up. Carolina has a weak offensive line, Philadelphia gobbled them up. So this will be interesting to see if, if – Gannon allows his corners, the truck puts a little bit more trust in his corners this week. We haven't seen it a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, no, it's going to be very interesting. It seems like a heck of a chess match. And like I said, I don't think that the Eagles are as bad as even their record says they are. I just think that they, like you said, they're young. They're still trying to find their identity. And uh, for Raider Nation, of course, they don't want them to find their identity on Sunday. Mike, uh, are you, you making the trip to, to Las Vegas or no? Nah, man. I mean, I you know, I've never been to Vegas, first off, Q. Oh, I mean, well, come on, Atlantic. brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Atlantic City. I got my mini little Vegas going on every single day, but I've never been out there. I know. I will tell you this. Um, I believe that there will be a huge contingency of Eagle fans out there. The Eagle fans travel very well. Yep. Uh, the last time when the Chargers were playing in that soccer stadium, that place was like 70% Eagles fans. And I would imagine that you're going to get something similar. They will be there in full force. So it will sound like an Eagles home game. Well, it's you know, I'll tell you this, and some people would laugh and say, that, oh, there's no way that's going to happen. Well, I'll tell you, man, the Bears fans traveled really well the last home game, and it was very loud uh, leaning Chicago's way when they were doing some big things. So I, I keep telling everyone, if you want to make the other team's fans be quiet, you got to beat them. You know what I mean? You just got to play yeah. good ball and don't give them anything to cheer about. Well, Mike, uh, it's always great catching up with you, my man. You know next year here there's going to be the draft, and me and you, we met at the draft there in uh, in Philadelphia. Are you going to make your way out to Vegas for the draft at least? That, that might be my maiden voyage. I, I might have My college roommate was literally just in Vegas. He flew home today. Nice. Um, and he goes all the time. But he lives in L.A. That might be my maiden voyage. I might have to reconnect with you there because I don't know that I'm making the Super Bowl this year, man. It's, that's a far flight from AC to LA, so it might have to be Vegas the next time I see you. There you go. Well, you, you hooked me up and took good care of me in Philly at the draft, so if you make it out here, I'll take good care of you here in Vegas. So uh, I appreciate you as always, <laughs> my man. It's great to reconnect with you. All right, Q. Take care. All right, brother. There he goes. Mike Gill, 97.3 ESPN South Jersey. No joke. We met at the draft when it was in Philadelphia. That was the draft that Patrick Mahomes got traded for, or got traded when Kansas City traded up and to go get him. And I was standing at the bottom of the Rocky Steps right next to Mike. And as soon as they said Kansas City was on the board, I just put my head down. Because I already knew. I already knew. As a guy that covered the Big 12 like a glove, I already knew. I said, oh, they're going to take Patrick Mahomes. And he's going to be in the AFC West for years. And, well, here we are. You knew. No, I did. I did. And then the Raiders turned around and drafted Gary on Conley, and I was and I knew about oh, that yeah. one. I was angry about that one too. Who's laughing now? Um <laughs> still the Chiefs. <laughs> still, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Gary on Conley, I don't even know if he's he's barely, if anything, hanging in the league. At last I knew he was with the Texans. 
<laughs> and barely. He's not in the league anymore. Okay, there you go. I was, man, I couldn't. I was so angry at that draft. I was so mad. I was standing right there. Right by the Rocky Steps. Right by the Rocky Steps. Number 24 overall pick comes up, and I'm standing there. Mike's looking at me because everyone knows. What they do, everyone always looks at me or else there's a camera on me when the Raiders go to pick during the draft because everyone wants to see my instant reaction. Instant reaction. And so as soon as as soon as soon they said the Raiders draft Gary on Conley, again, my head dropped. I was like, in round one? I would love to see a compilation video of every bad pick from like the last 10 years. Of you just like, this guy? There's been video after video after video. Maybe you get the the Josh Jacobs one. You were like, that's what what I'm talking about. No, I was excited about that, and I met Josh in Nashville. Matter of fact, he told you. You were there when he told me. Yeah, in Nashville when he was drafted, and I talked to him at the stadium, and I said, hey, Marshawn Lynch. It was the day Marshawn Lynch had retired. I said, he just retired. The Raiders need to have a need for running back. Again, I'm an Alabama guy, so I was trying to push the narrative as well. I said, man. What would you think about playing for the silver and black? And he just kind of got that look on his face and kind of smiled and was, ha, yeah, that, you know, he's humble as all get out. And he was like, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. He was he was super chill about it. And then lo and behold, it happens. He gets selected number 24 overall. And, uh, it, yeah, man, the rest is history. But, yeah, that was a good one. That, that I remember was a good one. But that was the one when the Raiders had three picks. And so uh, my, my co-host at the time was Craig Smoke in, in, at ESPN Central Texas, and he was sitting there next to me. Uh, in the in the in the back of the the draft in Nashville, and I remember when number four came up, man, because Quentin Williams was my guy. That's who I wanted. I really was pounding the table for Quentin Williams, and well, the Jets took him one pick before, so I thought, okay, they're gonna go with Ed Oliver, something like that. Ed Oliver, you know, um, who's my guy in uh in in Tampa Bay now, the linebacker, Devin White. Yeah, Devin White. I don't know how I forget that name, but Devin White was another guy that I put there, and people were like, oh, you take a, you can't take a linebacker that high, and I was like, why not? Tampa Bay's gonna take him at five. Which they did. And, uh, you know, it worked out fine for them. And then they said Clee Farrell. And this is funny because I had just saw Clee in Dallas uh, in the national championship run. When, when Clemson was on the national championship run, they had played Notre Dame and beat the brakes off him. And I literally walked right by him, took a picture, and tweeted out, anyone need an edge rusher? And I was, I was referring to the Raiders. I just didn't think they were going to pick him at four. You know, I mean, I thought there was a chance that they could pick him. I just didn't think he was going to be at four. I thought he was a good player. I didn't think they were going to get him at four. So. When all of a sudden they said Clee Farrell and the camera was rolling on me, I said, at four? <laughs> like I had, that, I, had, I had that look on my face like, at four? And I did the same thing this year with Leatherwood. I'm not going to lie. I did. I said, round one? That, that was, that was, I mean, you can go back. It's out there. I, I, don't, I don't hide anything. It's on Twitter. I, I put, in round one? Leatherwood? I think that was my exact tweet. Leatherwood? Round one? Ah, man, I don't know about that. You know, that's, that, was my, that was my exact tweet, my exact reaction. Drafts are tough for me. <laughs> Drafts are not my friend because I never know how to react. Hell, I got excited when the Raiders drafted Jamarcus Russell, and we know how that worked out. It didn't. I got excited when they drafted Rolando McClain. I thought he was going to be the next oh, end-all be-all. Oh, yeah. I he's was from, fired up about him. He's from Bama, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, man, look, you can sell me on a Bama guy any day. Bama guys get it done. Like, that's, that's my mentality, and, I mean – there's people that bring it up to me all the time. How many guys actually pan out in the league? I'm like, that's a good point. There's a lot of guys that don't. <laughs> you got me there. No, you do. <laughs> but I, I mean, because I'm not gonna not gonna make stuff up. Not gonna try to defend anything. I just I'll tell you that I'm I'm a fan of the program. I like what Bama guys do. Hell, I wanted them to go get Najee Harris, and they don't really need a running back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, get them all. Just sign them all over. You know, once there you was leave- a good two week stretch. Remember that period during the off season where it was just like, look at all those Alabama running backs. Right, right. Hey, man. Yeah, it's because they had uh, what's his name too. They had uh, Tarzan. 
Um, the big guy. Oh man, you know what I'm talking I about. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but he, it was just one. It was he was like, a guy I, that's built so big and he's so strong, but he he just doesn't run like that. He doesn't run behind I think his, he's his pads. On for like two preseason games, if yeah. that. Yeah, he was. He's he's been hanging around the league, but he's just not that good. It's <laughs> just not that good. But he played at Bama. But he played at Bama. I, but I knew it, Bama. I did say about him. I was like, oh, that dude's just. He's one of those guys that's just big for nothing. He's just big and strong for nothing because he just doesn't run that way. I mean, I don't want to disrespect him, but it's just not that good. And there's a reason why he's floated around the league. I can't remember his name now. Damn. Well, I'll take a break. We'll come back and close out the show, and I'll figure out what his name was. 346 at a time. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Red Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Just got a couple minutes left in today's show, and I always complain about the show going by so fast and we need an extra hour. Today, we actually do need an extra hour because it's been a roller coaster affair. It's been really weird and strange, and I apologize for that, but, uh, I mean, this is live radio. This is how things happen. You just got to na- navigate through the waters, get the good with the bad. Uh, I did want to shout out to my guy, Andy, who tweeted at us when I was trying to come up with that running back's name, Bo Scarborough. Bo Scarborough. Great That's who it too. was. Great yeah, name. oh yeah, he sounds like a badass oh, running yeah. back, right? Scarborough. You know, I could just hear, <laughs> I could hear Brent Musburger, <laughs> jackpot, baby, Scarborough. <laughs> nope, not going to happen. Dude is built like Tarzan, but don't play like him. I didn't want to say play like Jane because Jane might be badass. You know what I mean? Like Jane might, so I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to get that that culture put on me. Paul Gutierrez put this tweet out. I thought this was interesting. Josh Jacobs met with the media earlier today, was talking about uh, Coach Gruden not being on the sidelines, I'm assuming, from this tweet from Paul Gutierrez. Man, the sideline was just so, it was like it wasn't no anxiety. It was weird. It was like everybody was calm. You didn't have somebody cussing at you or going crazy at the refs. None of that. Something bad happened, and it was like, okay, next play. That's a quote from Josh Jacobs. With that being said, let's hustle out to the Raider Nation listener line, 702-365-9200. Very patient. Houston and L.A., what's on your mind, my man? Hey, hey, what's up, fam? Um, Man, I don't know if you guys mentioned Casey Hayward yet, but he was one of the cats that, you know, I I feel that he's been balling this year, man. Mm -hmm. And uh, you guys guys mentioned him yet? Yeah, yeah, we did. He has been balling, man. And he's actually number one in a lot of categories, according to Pro Football Focus for Corners right now. Yeah, man. I mean, it, that was a pleasant surprise because, you know, other cats, as soon as he, he left the Chargers, they're like, oh, yeah, man, he gets burnt all the time. He's toast. Ah, but <laughs> guess what? He's balling. So, yeah, that's pretty much my take on that right there. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you so much, man. I definitely appreciate you. That's a good one, Casey Hayward. And, yeah, I I think Casey Hayward, man, he's he's doing his thing. Shout out to Dizzle. Dizzle hit me up on Twitter as well, Bo Scarborough. Hey, that's why I love Raider Nation, man. They come to come to my back, man. They have my back when I need it. I and believe me, <laughs> believe me, ladies and gentlemen, I need it. <laughs> all the help we can get. I need all the help we can get. Demond, you hit it right on the head. We have had one of those days that you just don't you just don't know what's gonna happen. You know how um, earlier Joe he was talking about the chuck wagon after that game. He's just like, yo, I wish I could have gave that extra five percent. Yeah, I win ninety five percent of the game. Yep, that's how I feel about that's how I feel about today a little bit. We, yo, we had that ninety five percent. We needed that's that true. extra five. We needed that over. extra five today. You're right. We did. We needed that extra five today. We'll get it tomorrow. We'll get it on the back end. We'll have hundred and five tomorrow. Coming up on tomorrow's show, and I, I hate to cut this show short, but cutting up tomorrow's show, I'm excited to talk to John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Very interested on in what he's got to say about this. Might Deshaun be Watson. About a trade. That's true. Might already be talking about a trade. Who knows? Deshaun Watson to Miami looks like something that's going to be happening. If you're just tuning in, 
something that uh, John will break down for us in great detail. And uh, I, like I said, cannot wait to hear from him. Of course, we'll have other guests as well. We'll continue to look forward to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. And then, of course, today, the weird day-to-day, Mike's phone all of a sudden starts messing up. And, like, I didn't know if, like, somebody was hacking his phone while he was talking to us. It was just out of nowhere. Like, like me and you looked at like each other. Were, through. Yeah, yeah. It sounded like he was at a carnival, first of all. I thought he had, uh, you know, like, Ringling Brothers going on in the background. He was over at Circus Circus or something. You know, he says he said he has Atlantic City in his backyard, which he does. I didn't know what was going on. I thought like a clown was going to jump out the phone and be like, Bling! you know, like what was that? Was those uh, jackpots or, you know, you know, talking about, uh, damn it. I got to stop talking about things. Cause I don't Yo. know the name of them. Jokers. You know, when you go around, know, yeah, yeah, you wind it up, wind, wind it up. And all of a sudden it pops out. I never understood those either, by the way. I never understood. People like you, to be scared, but how are you scared when you know what's going to happen? You don't know the exact time, but you know, it's going to happen. You know, maybe you get like a child, you know, children, it's, it's a children's toy. But you know it's going to happen. Children so as smartest. you wind it, you know any second now it's going to pop. It's oh, not scary. If you just hand it to somebody then. They know what it is. They know what it is. You can't watch horror movies, can you? No, I don't watch horror movies. You the guy that's like, the black guy gets, gets killed first. No, but you the person that's like, no, that's stupid. Why would you No, do that? I do say Why that too. Why would you even be going in there? I do. I can't thing. even watch this no more. I do. I'm not going to lie. I don't watch it because the black guy dies first. You know what's funny? I did go see the new Halloween after the UNLV game on Saturday. And uh, there was a black guy in there, and it was the worst brother to have in the movie. <laughs> man, it's just like, man. So this the one brother this in the movie. This is why huh? you got to look like, why you got to do us like that? <laughs> it, was, it was. And guess what? He died first. Every time. Unless you're Busta Rhymes. Every time. <laughs> or Candyman. Michael Myers gave him a one, a one good look and was like, you really want to do this? <laughs> like, you thought that was going to work? I'm not a movie guy, you know that. But no, but, are you, no, but the horror movies, it's right. Like, yeah. Are you interested in the new Batman? Of course. You think it's going to be good? How many times can they do Batman? Not enough. Obviously. What is this, like the 18th Batman? Like, is there is there a guy that sits there and says, huh, let's come up with another movie? I got an idea. Let's do Batman. No, that there, hasn't been so done before. There's so many different comic iterations of Batman that you can always pull a different story that's different from this story. Man, you can only have... So many Batmans before it's like, okay, I get it. I know what the story's about. See, do you think you always know what the story's about? <laughs> yeah, a rich kid, his parents get shot, and then, you know, he, you know, takes this this anger and stuff. Yes, that is the crux of the story, but there's always a story within the story. I think there's only so many Batmans and so many Supermans you could do before it's like, okay, I get it. Superman's hard to pull off because it's like the, nobody wants to watch any the movie about the guy who has everything. I know the real Superman. You, I, We'll get him on the show. I don't even know when. Let's go, Henry. I don't even want to know where this is going. I do know him. I know the real Superman, the original the, Superman. Who's the real Superman? Uh, what's his name? Uh, what is it? Christopher Reed or whatever? Not Christopher Reed. Uh, what the hell's his name? Now, now I feel like I'm, I'm lying to you because I can't call his name. Um, what's his name? Oh man. Anyway, I'm, this this I'm done. Vinny's up next. We'll talk about the real Superman tomorrow. We'll talk about Batman. We'll talk about all kind of good stuff on tomorrow's show. I'm going to retire for the rest of the day. It's just how it is. Got my man Vinny. Got Lincoln Kennedy. Denzel Perryman. Christopher Reeve died in 2004. I know. That's not who I was talking about. That's why I felt bad when I called him out. Hold on. It's my guy, Stephen Foster's best friend. That's why I know that. They went to Princeton together. He went to Princeton. (laughs) I'm done. 357 is the time. It's Radio, 920. <laughs>